All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another edition of The Shore Thing here. We're going to be set on uh, Monday. We're going to go to twice a week. Uh, since episodes are getting a little bit longer, so we'll go to, and this is the first time we've done that. So, uh, this show, it's a good one. Warren Shore here with Ryan Silva, as always. And then we are going to be talking drafts. He's been on the show a handful of times. Uh, Dalton Miller, who uh, does blue chip, he's uh, runs bluechipscouting.com, and then now is uh, at 92 or not. Uh, 1053 the fan. Sorry, I was giving out the Cleveland uh, fan call letters there. 1053 the fan. Uh, talking the draft podcast. What else are you doing over there? Um, so I have talking the draft for blog the boys, and then also talking the the star, which is just a a strict Cowboys one. Um, that's through blogging the boys. Most of my work is at 1053 the fan and blue chip scouting. All right. Um, you just go to one five through the fan and there you go. Find it. Cause I looked at blue chip scouting before it's good. At first when I was doing the rankings, I didn't realize you to click on the players to read the breakdowns. Cause I was like, all right. And then I yeah. realized that very in-depth, a lot of in-depth breakdowns. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that's kind of what I'm going for. It's tough to input all of that onto the website. Uh, but I will have my draft guide, uh, will be out hopefully by Monday. Uh, for everybody to have um, and then all the proceeds to that will actually be going to charity so I hope people buy it uh, you know I'm putting a lot of work into it this is the the most in-depth I've ever gotten to go with uh, a draft class and I switched up the way that I grade guys this year to make it numerical and kind of take away some of the the natural bias that I have uh, in certain prospects so I, I think that this has been the best year so far for it all right, I'll check it out. I uh, love Dane Brugler's draft guy. That thing's a machine. Yeah, it's uh, monster. And so I've been reading that. Uh, I also, if you subscribe to The Athletic, I don't mean to take oh, this yeah. to you, but Bob McGinn is doing his his draft stuff. And you got a lot of good information from him there. So that's another thing if you're jonesing for the draft. Ryan, how's your, uh, how's your week been? Uh, good, man. Uh, you know, Nothing really to report. Kind of same old, same old. Looking forward to talking some drafts here with Dalton. Like you said, he's been on here before, and he always gives us a lot of great info, a lot of great insight. Uh, so, you know, if we're talking to him, that means the draft's right around the corner. Yeah, we got Dalton off of uh, Modern Warfare, so that's always a, <laughs> uh, that's a plus uh, there. All right, we'll dive into it here with the Cowboys, obviously. Uh, so they got pick 17, and they got pick 51. And those are the two main 80, 82 looks like they got three picks in the top 100. That's fine. But uh, they have their first round of this year, unlike last year. I feel like it would be malpractice if they don't take a defensive guy with the first two or three picks. And I understand there's a lot of like, oh, let's take a receiver, Henry Ruggs. We could get into the receivers. I don't, I'm not big on Henry Ruggs, right? That, 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 there's a lot of hype around him. I am. I'm not buying him. I just think he's a product of the Alabama. He's very fast, but I think he's a product of the Alabama system. I just don't understand like why people want the receiver. They just paid, they paid a uh, Cooper. They got Gallup and this receiver uh, class is so deep. You can get a guy say with one of the guys, your pick at 123. you can get one of them, maybe at 164. you trade back one of those picks, something in the fourth or fifth round guys are going to be going in the fifth round. That should have been going on like the fourth round. Like I think everyone's going to get knocked back a receiver, like a round. I don't understand why they just don't wait for that. So 
Dalton, what are your thoughts on just like, do you think it would be a bad organizational decision, I guess, if they go receiver at 17 or something crazy like that? Uh, if one of the top three receivers are there, that would be C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, and uh, Jerry Judy. If one of those three are there, y- you would think about doing it just because they are those three are in a class of their own in this wide receiver class. Um, and honestly, like yeah, we just paid big money to a wide receiver, but he's not always on. That's true. That's just the way that it is. So I, I think that in an NFL organization, you need three legitimate receiving targets. And, you know, you can look at Blake Jarwin as being one of those guys. If you want to project him as being a a good receiving target, you have Michael Gallup, who is consistent, um, but you need that third guy. And when Amari Cooper's not on, he's, he's not on and it's not good. And unfortunately, none of your running backs will be able to, no matter how good of a receiver they are out of the backfield, make a huge difference in the receiving game. So, I like to have multiple targets, especially in a Mike McCarthy offense. Um, that slot guy, I think, is really important to have. Um, but like you said, at the end of the day, it's a really good class. And I think that you don't have to triple down on defense in the first three rounds. I do think that you should look at two of the, those three picks as defensive players. And if you want to go one, two defense, do that. But you don't want to because everything's done tiering wise. So yeah. you don't want to take a, a tier two player on defense when there's a tier one receiver at 17, um, just because that, that talent difference is so large. But I, I do think that you can get a starting slot right away at pick 82, uh, if not at pick 123. Yeah, I like, uh, would you consider uh a slot guy? Yeah, Devin DuVernay is yeah. definitely a slot guy. I okay, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't want to take him until pick one twenty three. Um, I just don't think that he's a fantastic fit for this team and this offense with the way that his skill set kind of works. Uh, Dak Prescott is somebody who really likes to have a separator there um, in that slot um, and on the outside as well. And that's really not his game. He's more of a manufactured touch, get him the ball and let him work after the catch kind of guy. Um, and that's just really not uh, the, the way that this offense wants to attack. Okay, because that's the kind of the get. No, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. No, no, no. Uh, I, I Go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I was just going to say that's kind of a guy thinking like, the middle of the rounds that I think would be like people are going to wonder why he went like that far or like, well, how he felt that, that far. I feel like in like two years, it'll be like, wow, this guy's really good. How did he, how did he drop? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a lot like Michael Gallup a couple of years ago. I mean, him ending up where he was, was a complete mystery. I mean, he should have gone a, a long time before that. So I do think that we'll be able to see that, you know, especially a pick 82. Uh, but some of these guys, like I'm a huge Van Jefferson fan. Um, and he's a guy who is a little bit older as a prospect, didn't produce a ton at Florida. Um, just the quarterback situation there was atrocious. Uh, but he, he is somebody that gets open. He had a foot injury. So He's a guy that we might see there at still available at 123. He can step in, start at the slot right away, and he has outside experience, and he's so good off the line of scrimmage that he can play outside as well on the line of scrimmage if you want to give uh, Amari Cooper some breaks on the outside or if you want to move Amari Cooper into the slot at times as well. Dalton, I've seen uh, 
you know, a lot of different mock drafts, uh, obviously preparing for this, where the Cowboys, uh, obviously are the top target right now. We're not, I shouldn't say obviously, but one of their top targets right now that's getting talked about is Chase on from LSU. I've also seen uh, Xavier McKinney, the safety out of Alabama mentioned there. Uh, you mentioned you should probably go defense number one. Is there any situation where those two guys are gone? If those two guys are gone, or you say their top three defensive targets are gone, what do they do, you know, worst case scenario at pick 17? Do they go, go to that wide receiver? Well, I, I think that if one of the top three receivers are there, that's the, the kind of the way that you would want to go. I, I don't think that McKinney will be gone, but I also don't think that they really like McKinney. And I don't think that Dallas really covets the safety position whatsoever. And yeah, I we've seen think, that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that that's something that Mike McCarthy is probably going to make an important deal either, even though, you know, he's had some some highly picked safeties in the past. I think he's kind of letting the, the Cowboys uh, scouts, you know, Will McClay and the group kind of control the, the player personnel and just kind of giving a sign off on it at the end of the day. Um, but I don't think McKinney is even an option at 17 for him. I think that the guy that they really want at this point is Chase on. Um, and at the end of the day, if he ends up being gone, it might be because, uh, Atlanta traded up for him or took him at 16. Uh, but I think that no matter what they are, Atlanta is going to want to go CJ Henderson. I think a name to look at is AJ Terrell from Clemson. Uh, apparently the Cowboys really like him. Uh, my hope is that they trade back um, and they can trade back, in my opinion, you know, into the late 20s. If somebody, you know, if, if one of these two quarterbacks, either Justin Herbert or Jordan Love, fall to 17 uh, or if one of the top four offensive tackles falls to 17, they can move back and get another top 100 pick or another pick, you know, right around the top 100 and still, you know, get a, a tier two player at that point. What do you think about all this uh, linebacker at 17? Because for me, I think that is, I think it's, a, I think it's kind of crazy because I also, um, they said the defense is going to go to a 3-4. They're kind of leaning maybe to play more 3-4 this year under Mike Nolan. But, like, you drafted Vander Esch two years ago in the first round. You had Jalen Smith, who was in the 30s as a pick, and, like, you just paid Jalen Smith some more. So, for me, 17, if they take a linebacker, this talk about Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen, these guys, it's, it seems like you're either very, very nervous about Vander Esch's health that seems what that's a red flag there, or it just seems like, all right, well, I, we, I guess we need a defender. It's maybe a, Hey, we just need to add to the defense. We'll take a linebacker. I, I don't understand linebacker at 17. No, neither do I. Uh, nothing that anybody says can make me understand it. Even if LVE never plays another snap in the NFL, I don't think first of all, that any of the players are worth the 17th pick when it comes to these linebackers. And second of all, I don't believe that you have to take a linebacker high in general because a lot of these guys that are going to go on day two and early on day three in this class are better pass defenders than the top two guys in Murray and Queen who Murray never had to even be bothered to cover anybody in college. He was more of a, a whole defender and a spy uh, defender, never really got past, you know, five yards in, in zone coverage. And, you know, Patrick Queen is kind of blind 
in zone coverage. So I don't understand in a passing league why you would want to get two downhill linebackers at pick 17. It doesn't make sense to me. And Queen doesn't tackle very well in general. He's got short arms and at times he forgets to use them completely. So I think it, at pick 17, that's where the malpractice comes in taking a linebacker that high. I would agree too. And especially how many downs are you going to have three linebackers? Like, you're pretty much going to be in nickel, right? Most of the time. Yeah. I mean, uh, so of, what's the, what's the point of having like three really good linebackers when you only need two on the field? Yeah. I mean, most defenses at this point run sub package defenses, 80% yeah. plus of the time now. So you're never going to have three linebackers on the field. So Don, everything goes according to plan. I like, I'm a, I'm a big guy. I'm a big scenario guy. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, if a happens what what follows after that. So chase on gets selected by the, by the Cowboys at 17, everything goes great. Do they, since they got their guy, what do they do? Pick, you know, pick a, what is it? 51. Do they go mm-hmm. defense yeah. again? Is it, is it, do, is it for sure? Chewing is, I mean, obviously it depends on who's there, but give me a couple options there. If, if all goes according to plan, and they ended up with their guy chase on it at 17. What's the next move? Yeah, so I think uh, 51 is kind of the dead zone for me for where wide receivers are going to end up. I think that a lot of them are going to get taken in the the top 50 area, and then you're going to see a run of not many going after that until you get to down to about your pick 82. So I don't think that wide receiver is going to be a viable option at 52 or at at 51, Um, but I, I do think that you're looking at safety, Uh, which is a a really deep position at the top. There's no, you know, Jamal Adams or Minka Fitzpatrick's in this class, but there are six or seven guys that I would feel comfortable with taking at 51. Uh, Your Kyle Duggars from Lenore Ryan, that might be a little bit of a reach for him, uh, but he's somebody who can play the box safety. He's a freak athlete. Uh, Jeremy Chin, 6'3", 223, can run like the wind, jumps out of the gym. He'll be a a guy who can really uh, cover tight ends. Um, and have a little bit of versatility when it comes to playing free safety, strong safety in the box. He's a good tackler. Um, then your Antoine Winfield Juniors, uh, he is my top safety, but being a little bit shorter, not very long, and having injury history, I think that he might be an option at 51. So for me, safety is probably the best option at 51 because I think a lot of these corners are going to get run on before that. And then at 82, you might be able to get one of those corners like a, um, a Hall from Virginia or um, an Amik Robertson from Louisiana Tech, um, maybe a Jalen Johnson with the shoulder injury. So, you know, kind of, you know, scoping it out, you might be able to get or Damon Arnett, who has some off field issues uh, and didn't run well at the combine. Um, Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi State, who didn't run well at the combine. All these guys might be available at 82. So you might be able to go edge, safety, corner, and still get three guys that contribute year one. Now, if they now if they're not a, if, say they get one of their top three wide receivers, is is their second pick? You go on safety, uh, you know, not not regardless, but if if one of you, those guys you just mentioned are at safety, you're going there no matter what. Or is again, is there another audible that they might call if they're able to get one of those top three wide receivers, or things don't pan out to where they can get chase on? Yeah, I mean, not no matter what, I, I'm not gonna reach for a position just because I feel like I need one. For me, this year is kind of more open than in years past because I don't look at this team as a real solid you know, option to con- 
or to contend for a Super Bowl next year. Right. I just I don't think that this roster in year one of Mike McCarthy is going to be able to do that. I think there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. So I think that you can build more towards the future and look at corner, you know, next offseason. So you don't have to, to reach for one that early. Um, I do think that the value at 51 will be there for safety. I do think that there might be the option for um, an edge rusher there as well. Um, if you don't take chase on it, say, say if you, you take one of the wide receivers at 17, you can look at a guy like Julian Aquara um, uh, there at that 51st pick. And then guys like Ross Blacklock uh, from TCU or Justin Matabuike from Texas A&M um, to possibly be, you know, your pass rushing three technique type. So you can still have, you know, a, a, another pass rusher to, to pair with Tank Lawrence. Well, I think I saw you say that you want them to get your guy uh, Burgess from Utah at 82 signing up right now. Yes. And I think, yes. And I think a guy like Terrell Burgess is somebody who uh, right away can play as your slot corner or even play a little bit outside corner. Um, He played mostly in the slot at Utah and a little bit of free. My thing with him is he'll probably play corner this first year and might transition to free safety after that because they do have HaHa Clinton Dix and Xavier Woods who are both more of your free safety type players. So it is a bit redundant if you draft him as a safety, but he is good enough in that corner spot to, to throw him in there in the slot right away and start him. I've been watching some breakdowns on Jimmy Chin. I really like him from Southern Illinois. So him as a safety, I agree with you there. Same thing with Davis from Cal. What are your thoughts? The other name I have written down here is, uh, it is uh, Kenny uh, Kenny Robinson. He went to the XFL route because he uh, just left West Virginia, wanted to play in the XFL. I mean, he's like a he's a mid fourth fourth fifth round. What are your thoughts on uh, What are your thoughts on him? I think that, you know, because he was going to become ineligible at West Virginia. Uh, so he did end up, instead of transferring, he ended up going to the XFL. He played well in the XFL. I think that he is one of those guys uh, that are probably going to go, you know, early day three, fourth, fifth round, like you said, and come in and be able to contribute to contribute at that uh, strong safety spot right away. Um, I haven't gotten really too deep into his uh xfl stuff but i did watch his west virginia tape and, and i i do I, I like the player um especially over guys you know your, your brandon jones is from texas who might go in that kind of same range i think that jones is a little bit undersized for the strong safety spot but i think that because of his inability to uh kind of transition in coverage i think that he is going to be forced into a strong safety role and he's a little bit undersized for that so you know, uh, I think that that would be a, a fine pick on day three. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I like him. I like Arnett, who you mentioned earlier uh, in the middle rounds. AJ Terrell, he's getting up. I think he's a good player. The problem is the last game he played, everyone remembers he got cooked yep. against LSU like every single play. So people are like, oh, this guy's terrible. But other games from LSU, he was he was pretty good. But everyone just remembers him just getting obliterated against them. I mean, every corner pretty much got obliterated against them this year. 
Yeah, it's it's really tough to to cover Jamar Chase, who is going to be you know probably a, a top twenty pick next year, and then Justin Jefferson, who is probably going to be a first rounder this year. Uh, so it was a little bit difficult, but you know I, I do want to let people know like he wasn't getting absolutely cooked on every single play, but there were plays where he at the catch point wasn't able to to hold up to the physicality that uh, a guy like. Uh, Jamar Chase is able to play with and you know he, he did get get left behind a couple times but I do think that for the most part he held his own against them the issue is on those reps where you don't hold your own you really do get exposed Dalton so this is going to be the third uh, draft that Warren and I have, have worked together on a radio show and it seems like every year we're harping on secondary you know the the, the first year we we're together this was the chadobi draft um you know things like that and it just seems like every year it's such a glaring issue for them why aren't they able to either a uh address that properly or b you know make some moves to where maybe they can go get a guy that's worth a spot worth a, a, an earlier pick um you know in in maybe that second round or third round obviously they don't have a whole lot of draft capital to move up this year but just you know in years past and this year you know we keep mentioning safeties and corners that they have to go to but it's always these fourth fifth sixth day guy or excuse me fourth fifth sixth round guys that they're leaning on i guess for lack of a better term you know is there just kind of a uh a lack in, in the in the front office, or what? What do you see there, to where it's just it's it's always a glaring issue come draft time. Yeah, I don't. I think what part of it is, you know, at least the past couple of years with Chris Richard and um, uh, Rod Marinelli is you kind of had Richard, you know, take a back seat to Marinelli and say, hey, like whatever we get in the secondary, like I'll make it work. Finally, for for once, Rod was able to go and kind of get his guys earlier in the draft. And what really this is all about is them screwing up pick 58 last year, going Tristan Hill over some of the safeties that were still on the board in Juan Thornhill um, and um, guys like Taylor Rapp, who ended up uh, going to the the Rams and both of those guys contributing right away. Um, Nasir Adderley was still on the board, so they could have gotten their free safety last year, too. It just... It hasn't been a good couple of years of drafting for the Cowboys, and I think that them not building around the secondary when every advanced metric and the best teams in the league are building their teams around the secondary outside of San Francisco, um, I don't understand the, the unwillingness to address that spot. Now, kind of, I don't want to. I want to skip ahead to to the end of the draft. But what is there? Is there one move, or is it? Is there a couple things to where uh, this draft is going to be? For, for this draft to be considered a success, I guess is what I'm asking. What needs to happen? I was like, we knocked it out of the park. You know, they obviously getting face on will help that. But I guess moving forward from their first and second pick back, how do they make this a successful draft? Um, I think that what they have to do is at the end of the day, you know, especially on late on day two and day three is take, take good players. So it, like I said earlier, like this so is easy, right? You, you would think it's easy, but like a lot of people want to draft for, for, you know, need all the way throughout when really at the end of the day, that's not important, especially on day three. If there's guys that, you know, you have a, a fourth round grade on that you can get in the sixth, 
take that player. Don't don't pass on him because you need a depth linebacker. And I think a lot of teams forget that because you can get guys from free agency, the guys who are still on the street for vet minimum contracts and take those guys to fill your roster out. So at the end of the day, on day three, just take best player available. Don't reach for guys just because they're a position in need. Just take good players. Um, on day one and, and day two, that is where uh, that's where you take best player available at a position of need. Um, and I think another thing that they could do is package together those day three picks and move up a little bit from 82 to go get your guy or move up a little bit from 123 if one of your guys makes it, you know, just a little bit past 100. Wheel and deal a little bit. Move down from 17 and acquire another top 100 pick. Just be aggressive in whatever you do. You don't just have to sit at your picks and make selections. I was going to say, I think if, like, Chase Tong or Henderson are not there at 17... Mine, even if one of the receivers is there, I think I would still hope they would trade down to pick up an extra top 100 pick. I think that would be my number, like, one scenario because there's depth at posi- there's some de- There's like, some good depth in this draft, I think. Yeah. Uh, and you need to build – there's – like, I think the roster now, we're kind of in the Cowboys roster, is kind of pretty top-heavy. There's not really a, a middle ground where we're at. Yep. And if you could find maybe – if you could get back to the middle ground here with the strap, maybe an extra pick here around the top 100, but even around 100, I think that could really help out the uh, – that could really help out for this next year and then in the future. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. I, I think that, you know, even if they were – you're looking at a, if one of those top three wide receivers is there – Maybe a team like the Saints or a, a team like Green Bay wants to move up for one of those top three receivers. Uh, so you you could be looking at a trade back there. The draft is really just a bunch of dart throwing. So if you have more darts, especially on days one and two, you're going to be able to hit on on more players overall. You might not at 17. You might get a lesser player to pick. You know, 25. Um, but you will also have another pick in the top 100. And if you hit a, a dart on two guys instead of one, you're probably going to have more impact than just that one player unless you absolutely hit a home run at pick 17, which is not going to happen most times. All right, shifting to the draft in general and how it's going to look, and then we can talk about some other guys. Are you worried for the Cowboys in this draft in the sense that People feel like Stephen Jones kind of has the reins a little bit with Bill McClay in the draft. Now, I don't think it's been known if the if like are Stephen and Jerry Stephen and Jerry are not going to be in the same house, right? Um. So right now they might be in the same house during the draft, but I don't think that they will be in the same room as each other during okay. the draft. I don't think that that'll be allowed. Um. But. Uh, Somebody is going to need to be with these guys to make sure that everything goes smoothly. So no, for sure. We're, we're talking about the six feet thing, but I mean, they're going to need it guys around. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I, I think that this might be a good thing because they might allow Will McClay to kind of take more of the reins than normal. Okay. Because what I, okay. Cause I was worried that say a trade 
they just go to if a team's making a trade, they just go right to Jerry and Jerry flexes those muscles again and is like, all right, we're just going to do this. And it could just like, I'm not gonna put a big dent in the draft or maybe the leashes aren't on Jerry as much as they would normally be if they're at the star altogether in the same room. I guess that's just my, yeah, I don't, that's I don't a know. I, I think that at this point he's kind of taking a backseat to Steven. And I think that Steven has a, a very, very close relationship um, and trust in Will McClay. Uh, there is a reason why M- Will McClay is, is still there and not uh, an actual, you know, quote unquote GM somewhere else. Um, or I guess what they, I was saying is maybe another team goes around Stephen and McClay for a trade for Jerry and Jerry's like, all right, we'll take it. And I mean, he's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to be like that type of deal. I guess that's what I'm nervous about is another team's like, oh, they're not, not sitting together. Yeah. I hope, I hope Jerry, and I know Jerry probably will tell Stephen or whatever to tell them about yeah. it, but it's still like another team working around who they feel like has the reins on him. Yeah. And he's just I- like, Right. I hope I hope those days with with Jerry are are long gone. I, I think that you know, since the Johnny Manziel pick, I, I think that that was I, kind of the the beginning of him taking a backseat. And I hope that that's true. I hope that getting him alone with his Johnny Walker Blue doesn't allow you know for a, a an errant trade to happen on on draft day. I agree. look. I'm just looking out for worst kit. What could potentially. That would be bad. Like, no, you're absolutely right. Like that. Like that's what I would be just like extremely nervous about. Is just like he's like I'm I'm off. This is like my last hurrah of a draft before I have to go into the room with everybody. Like I'm doing it my way. Like I would now. I I think the percentages on that are very low, but I think that like that would be that's in the back of my head. Yeah, no, so, uh, you know, kind of kind of going on uh, off what Warren is saying, I mean, are there any worries at all with, you know, this draft being a virtual draft or being, you know, done teleconference or whatever you want to call it? Are there any worries that you've heard coming out of Cowboys camp of, of either something like that happening or just anything in general? How is the communication going to be going if, if say, uh, Jerry and uh, and his son are in, are in the same house with different rooms? I mean, what's the communication kind of, Going through, uh, you know, is McCarthy going to be in there with them? Like, well, how do you know any kind of like setup of what's going to be happening come draft day? So I think everybody's going to be probably because the NFL has a an agreement or a, a deal with Microsoft. I think everyone's going to be using Microsoft Teams. It's a little bit more secure than Zoom is. You know, you have people hopping in and, and out of Zoom uh, meetings. But I, I think that, you know, that, I think at the end of the day, what this is going to do without you know throughout the whole coronavirus incident is guys with off field issues that they're not able to to meet with guys with injury history that they're not able to you know go through medical rechecks uh, i think that those kind of guys are going to fall a little bit further there's going to be less risks taken i think that there's going to be more um more overall trust in what these evaluators looked at on tape and through you know analytical profiles when it comes to production, um, so I think that at the end of the day, this might be one where you take safer prospects uh, than the home run picks, you know, with, with injury history and things of that nature. So I think that it'll be a, a safer time. I think that there will probably be less trades that happen on days two and three 
because of all of this. And I think that at the end of the day, the NFL is going to be a little bit more lenient when it comes to like timing issues. Uh, if there are, there is a team having some technical difficulties. I don't think that, you know, when that clock runs out, they're going to have to forfeit their pick. I, I think that they're, they're going to be okay. And I think that if teams are looking to make trades, particularly in the first round, I think that the NFL will give some leniency because it is going to be a, a more difficult process to, to make calls when everybody is not in the same room. Yeah. See, I thought that there might be more trades because of the fact that everyone is either, like you said, maybe haven't wasn't able to do all of their homework on a certain draft prospect or maybe not yeah. certain on what they uh, what move they're going to make next because it's either between a guy with off-field issues or injury history versus the guy who's maybe less talented but a more sure thing when it comes onto the field. So I thought maybe there might be more trades, but you're thinking there might be even less? So what there might be less trades this year for this year to this year trades. But I think, I smart, I think smart teams – are going to try to trade assets next year's assets to move up this year because I do think teams that are like don't feel comfortable with you know the the work that their scouts have done on tape or whatever um, are going to move away from picks this year for future assets you know in, in yeah. you know twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two because they don't feel like they have safe options this year so you're right in the fact that that teams might trade this year's assets for next year's and I think that good franchisers are going to take advantage of those people trying to move out of picks from last year to take good players this year. So when McCarthy got hired, he said he was going to bring in like an analytics staff of, I don't know, 10, 12 people. How do you think, how are they going to use the analytics to blend in like some of the, what they see on tape to some of the testing numbers that aren't, available because they didn't they didn't run a 40 at the combine they didn't have a pro day to run it like how are they are is do you think they'll focus more on like that that part of the thing that part of their um operation to blend the data together how do you think they're gonna collect the missing data points in their in their uh, use that i guess use the missing data points are they gonna get that info yeah i mean it's it's, it is it's really tough because i mean they don't have you know, full physical profiles on these guys because of the lack of testing and because of the the change in schedule this year to the combine. A lot of guys didn't test. Uh, the, the the evening testing was was not conducive to good test results. So, how much you know stock do you even put in combine testing this year? Because um, when it comes to the the agility numbers, they were down across the board for NFL prospects. So. How are we going to marry all of these? We've actually seen in some of these Zoom meetings with prospects, we have seen the the analytical uh, part of the, the Cowboys staff has been in on those Zoom meetings. I think that his time at PFF, uh, we might see, you know, them kind of lean on, you know, their snap counts uh, at PFF and, and their grading a little bit there. Um, which can be a, a good or a bad thing. Their raw data is very good. Uh, their grading system is not quite up to snuff at some positions, I believe. Um, but I, I think that it's going to be more of a wait-and-see type deal to see really in a couple years how they have integrated analytics when it comes to the draft process um, compared to how they're going to use analytics on game day. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. And 
Um, man, the Cowboys are really pumping out content from these Zoom meetings on their website. It's I don't, been, I, and dude, it's been fantastic. Yeah, no, it is really good. You get to, you, they give a two minute breakdown. They're, I looked, they're probably the only team that's, that has done it. I, I was looking earlier. Um, yeah, I the, think like if I'm a fan of the team, I think I like I like it for sure because you get to see what goes on in the interviews. But I'm also like, why are I know they're not doing like any uh, like in depth stuff like the Clyde Edwards Hilaire story. Yeah, uh, about the frog about frogging that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, with but Steve they're, yeah, they're, they're pumping they're putting out, out good content, and it's I think I wish every team would just do a little snippet of it. Yeah, they're uh, they're. Uh, web team is phenomenal. They yeah. they are the best team website in the NFL and it's not particularly close. I, I really like what they've done on putting out these quick little two minute scouting reports on guys, but not giving the name of the player. Yeah. Those so are they, good. Yeah. They're going through saying, you know, he was a four year starter. He was great on special teams. He was good in the slot and at safety. Um, he's got first at like, those are really, really fun because they make people on the internet guess about who the player is. Um, so, so that is the type of content that really makes the rounds and, and makes for a lot more fun in this entire process. And you're right. I, I think that other teams are kind of missing the boat on that. Now, I think that it's a good thing that they're not giving the players names uh, when they do those quick little breakdowns because that, you know, kind of shows, you know, even in two minutes, you can really tell if they like a guy or not. Um, so, uh, you know, not tipping their hand fully, but you know, we've heard talks, you know, through all of this about how much they like Cesar Ruiz, how much they like Caleb on chase on. And I wish at the end of the day that they wouldn't telegraph their first picks so much, because I do really think if Caleb on chase on is there at 17, he is going to 100% be the pick. It just, it feels like, it feels like, uh, Tristan Hill, um, all over again with this. <laughs> I mean, you know how much you love that pick um, going back to last year. All right, so let's get into Tua here and then some other draft stuff. But I, before we get into Tua, I guess I just contradicted myself. But I saw from Rappaport, Ian Rappaport, and I think he piggybacked off of Daniel Jeremiah this morning saying that they were talking to executives in the league. And they said this year – the mock drafts are totally off. Now, they're off to an extent every year, but this year he said uh, group thing kind of takes over when scouts are all together at pro days. They're all talking. Everyone knows kind of what's going on this year. With none of that going on, nobody knows what's going to happen, and they say these mock drafts are way, way, way off on what is going to happen. Like I was reading uh, on a Browns page insider that, always has good information. Like he's talking, the giants are between offensive tackle and Isaiah Simmons, pretty standard, but the offensive tackle they like is Andrew Thomas. I don't think anyone's had Andrew Thomas at the four spot in a mock draft I seen. Um, so how do you think you think like we're going to, we're in for surprises just based on the, uh, the circumstance of the, of the, of the draft this year. It's, there's never been something like that. And people should like stop looking at the mock drafts. Like, Oh, this guy slayed for here. This guy's there. Like no one really knows what's going to happen other than the first three picks probably are going to be Burrow young and Okuda. Um, I mean, I, I think that the lions probably end up trading out of there, or, yeah, but so yeah, I, if I they think it'll that. be, 
Yeah, yeah. If they stay there, I, I do think it'll be Okuda. Um, I do think that the one and two picks are, are going to be what they are. Uh, the fourth pick is where everything kind of changes. Um, but, you know, when it comes to that, I, I do want to really clarify the wording that was in that report. It was that the mock drafts are wronger, wronger than anything else. And it's anonymous scout season. And, yeah. and I don't give any credence to the anonymous scout BS. I, I really don't. Uh, I think that this is a little bit different because you don't have media scouts going to pro days and talk, being able to talk face-to-face with a lot of these front offices, things like that. It's all going through either third-party sources or you know calls over the phone and smoke screens are going to be easier that way. At the end of the day, I, I think that the, the fourth pick is probably going to come down to um, Tristan Wirfs or Isaiah Simmons. I don't think it'll be Andrew Thomas. But I don't really know what's going to happen with the top four tackles. I think that any of them can go in any order, and it wouldn't surprise me. I think that Wills is the best out of the group, and then it's Worfs. I mean, then a little bit of a drop before you get to, to Thomas and, and Becton. But I, I think that with that athletic upside, the size, I do think that if Gettleman goes with tackle, it'll be Worfs. Um, but I think at the end of the day, he'll probably end up going Simmons. All right, I, so. I, I don't, I don't know how far off because at the top, like you think that the dolphins are going to go quarterback and you think that the chargers are going to go quarterback and you think that, you know, who those quarterbacks are going to be. They might flip flop from Herbert to a, um, it all depends on how, you know, the dolphins, you know, thought, think about Tua's medicals, but I, I really don't think that there's going to be a ton of, of crazy happen up top. I mean, the Tua medicals, the smoke screens on Tua by the Dolphins are putting out on Herbert is, I mean, master, it's, you don't know what, if you just read the smoke screen, you don't think they're going to take him. Tua, I, obviously, no one's doubting his ability. He's incredible. His anticipation is great. Every, he's a great quarterback. But, I mean, I think I'd be a little gun-shy taking him, though, with the two ankles. Now the yep. hip. I it's just he was hurt going in he was already hurt before the hip injury and i remember watching him when jalen hurts came in in the in the sec championship game against georgia when hurts won it and i was just like man he's hurt with the ankle it just he always seems like he's having a little knock a little injury or something and man i i don't think i could pull the trigger I don't know if the risk is worth the reward, I guess, is what I'm saying. Because who knows when the hip when the hip could go. is is, And I don't know if I'm a top five pick. I, I want to be sure that he will be good for me for 10 years. And I don't know if he'll be healthy enough to play in 10 years with the hip and all the other injuries. And I, he's, he's kind of fragile for six foot, 215 pounds. He just... He doesn't seem like a sturdy built like he t- he doesn't take hits great is what I'm saying I'm saying. Yeah, I think the issue with him is he takes a lot of hits. 
Um, he is somebody who throws with great anticipation and he can work really well on schedule, but the best part of his game or the part that he loves the most is being able to make plays out of structure. Um, and you know, even that ability kind of was hampered this year because of the ankle injuries. And I'm very much of the opinion that hurt guys stay hurt. If you're hurt in high school, you're going to be hurt in college and you're going to be hurt in the pros. And he was hurt in college. So he's probably going to be hurt in the pros as well. My issue is that Justin Herbert has had some freaky injury history as well that doesn't get talked about as not uh, as much because it hasn't been as recent. But he broke his femur in high school. He's broken his collarbone. He's had upper body injuries as well. And he is a guy who runs around a lot and takes a bunch of hits. Um, and he's a little bit, you know, more of a lean built guy. So, you know, both of those guys have a, a little bit of, of worry when it comes to the injuries. At the end of the day, it really comes down to how much differently you have them graded as prospects. Even it, with the injury history, if you think that Tua is head and shoulders above Justin Herbert, you have to take him. Because if he is healthy, he's probably going to be a, a fringe Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. And you need a franchise guy or you don't have a quarterback. Now, Dalton, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, going off the, these top five picks, we've heard Atlanta's, you know, gearing up to make a big jump to the front of the line. Uh, what other teams are are you expecting to make that jump, if any? And what's, uh, like, are we going to, like, the Falcons, obviously, if they move up, I mean, I don't see them going for a quarterback there. I mean, they have Matt Ryan. He's good. He's serviceable right now. But to trade up for a top five guy, it's probably somebody that you want to play right now. And, uh, you know, I don't think they jump up for one of those top three wide receivers. Where do you think they're going there if they do? And who else do you think might make a big jump like that? So the whispers I've heard is that the Jacksonville Jaguars might try to package nine and 20 together to move up for Justin Herbert. Um, They would probably have to get up above uh, the, the fifth pick. So I, they're going to have to give up a ton of assets if they want to move up, you know, if Gettleman somehow gets a package he likes, but he doesn't love to trade back. I don't see how, you know, you can really look at the the Lions to, to trade back away from Jeffrey Akuda unless they feel okay with C.J. Henderson at nine. But then you do run the risk of Atlanta moving from 16 to, to eight and having Arizona move back. So, like, there's a lot of things that could happen in this first round from a movement mm-hmm. perspective. Um, and then you could also look at, I've heard whispers of um, Atlanta obviously moving up for C.J. Henderson at corner. You can also look at the Eagles moving up. Uh to try to get C.D. Lamb. I've heard that they are a huge fan of his game. Um, and then you also are looking at Denver moving up for Henry Ruggs, who they're in love with. Um, and they would have to move up probably with the Cleveland Browns, who I've heard, and obviously Warren can talk about this a little bit, they are actively shopping that 10th pick. And I think are probably going to be happy with one in the offensive lineman that would fall to them at 15. If you do have that earlier run on wide receivers, um, the jets might want to try to get out in front of Denver uh, to take their wide receiver. I've heard that they're in love with rug. So from, you know, pick three to pick 20, there could be a ton of movement on day one. And I think that some of the team fits that we've had for these guys in these mock drafts might be okay, but where they get drafted because of 
how this draft, how weird this draft is with it being top heavy at offensive tackle, top heavy at at quarterback, top heavy at corner, and then uh, wide receiver. Top heavy heavy at wide receiver. There could be a ton of movement to go get your guy early. Now, do you feel like that? Oh, I was just going to say, do you think that's one of those cases where. It's like it just takes the first domino to fall and then everything else falls behind it? Or is everything kind of mutually exclusive where, you know, teams are just going to be wheeling and dealing regardless of what happens at the top? I think that Dave Gettleman and that fourth pick could be huge. That could start it all? Yes, I think that could be the trigger for everything because if they take Isaiah Simmons at four, that means one of the offensive tackles is falling a little bit, which means that others don't have to move up to get their offensive tackle that if they take Isaiah Simmons, that might allow the Browns to, to, to take a a package to move back and still feel better about getting one of their offensive tackles at 15. It means that you might not get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to move up, to get one of their offensive tackles that they really like. If you're looking at a, a team like the Browns, you know, staying at 10 to take a tackle. So the, there's a bunch of dominoes that could fall, and I think that that trigger is the fourth pick. Yeah, so I don't – look, if the Giants do take a tackle, then Simmons can fall, um, even though I don't think Simmons gets past the Panthers. Would you agree with that? They would be idiots to, to pass up on a guy like Isaiah Simmons for – and I've seen a lot of Derrick Brown at seven yeah. to the Panthers. That would be terrible. Because even though Derek Brown, I have graded more, he's more highly ranked for me than uh, than Isaiah Simmons is. I wouldn't take him simply because he's a one technique that doesn't have the pass rush upside. And you can use Isaiah Simmons literally anywhere you want to on defense. Yeah, yeah no, my dream scenario is Simmons somehow falls to ten for the Browns. No, but I think the Browns <laughs> that would be that gonna, would be unreal. That that would be unreal. But I think for the Browns, I think the Raiders want to trade up for a wide receiver. I think there's going to be, if you're Dude, the Cardinals the, at eight, the Jags the, at nine, if they stay there, the Browns at ten. I think there's going to be tons of calls there because yeah. the Cardinals, like they don't need a receiver, they no. could probably take a tackle. You trade back. I think that seven to ten spot is where teams are going to come up for the receivers, like you said, the yeah. the. The Broncos come up. Seven, the Raiders. Yeah, I think seven Bron- to eleven. I, I think I would add add you know the Jets and maybe even the the Raiders to that for for that window of trades. And I I think you could see two, three, maybe even four trades in that little area. I mean that is the hot spot for trades. Yeah, and the Browns. I think the Browns definitely want to trade back because they only have five picks this year, and these guys like the. Andrew Barry, D. Podesta, when they worked together before, they liked accumulating more picks, and five picks for them isn't enough. So they're, I think no. they're hoping to get seven or eight. They could trade back at a couple second and third rounders. Um, and I have heard, though, that they, if Wurfs or Thomas is there, I think they would stay there and take either of them. Like They like Thomas, from what I've been reading, more than other people, but they are also worried that Andrew Thomas doesn't make it to number 10. Um, because they think a lot of people like him. I mean, he's a good player, three-year starter in the SEC. That's two at left tackle. It's just I think he's a little, uh, well, he's a little slower, right? Yeah, his, his feet are a little bit slower, but I mean, he's still really good in pass protection. And yeah. at, at the end of the day, 
Teams are going to covet arm length and wingspan at the offensive tackle position, and he has 36-inch arms at the end of the day. And you're right, he was a three-year starter in the SEC. He's faced the top edge rush competition that anybody could ever believe um, in the SEC. So I I do think that, you know, he is probably worthy of a top 10 pick. And if he's the pick there at 10, I don't think that it's a bad pick at all. All right, Ryan, before we let Dalton go, who's been gracious enough with his time on this Friday, do you have any other, uh, other questions for him? No, I think that's it. I mean, we kind of covered it. Obviously, you know, it's, it's such a wild, draft not only because you know they're everyone's doing it remotely but don't kind of alluded to it earlier the combine you know the nfl network is trying to get it on tv so a lot of guys were performing later than they you than they're used to uh things like that so i think we're i think we're in for a fun ride uh you know i'm looking forward to it hopefully for our sake you know as a show the cowboys can uh, put something together here uh dalton would you take where would you take Tua? oh boy um Top five, I would. Okay. Just because he's he's, I think that he's pretty special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do worry about I I I do I have a ton of worry. My thing is that if he does end up staying injured, then you don't have a quarterback, and you're probably only one in five games anyways, and then you can yeah. take another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I agree. That's, I just, not, that's not terrible. You're you're absolutely right. That's that's a great point. And I'm just waiting. Yeah, specifically for the Dolphins. I mean, they do have Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen still. If you get, you know, some offensive linemen there, you are probably going to be able to play Josh Rosen a little bit. And if he finally does play well, you can have get at least a little bit of draft capital for him if you want to trade him, if you don't want to use him as your backup going forward. For sure. I'm super excited for the Raiders to take like Jordan Love at one of their do they have three first round picks this year or just they two? Have two. They have twelve nineteen, but then they don't I'm waiting pick for again. To... Yeah, they don't pick again until eighty and eighty one in the third round. God, I'm waiting for them to take Jordan. They smell like Jordan Love City. That would be so much fun. They just smell I get the aromas from Vegas. It just smells like uh Jordan Love. All right, Dalton. Uh First, last question. Have you downloaded TikTok during quarantine? <laughs> I have not. All right. Boy, way to stay strong. My wife absolutely loves it, uh, but I have not. I have not downloaded it, now. All right. Maybe, I don't think there's a draft TikTok guy. Maybe that's something to look into. Maybe that's a market I've missed that's out That's a market. On. Might have to start that up after the draft happens. Because Gulag, Gulag TikTok is hilarious. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to have to get on Gulag TikTok. I might have to break down after the draft yes. um, and and watch some Gulag TikTok. Or just have your wife pull it up because it's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, it is. <laughs> it's pretty funny. All right, Dalton. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for checking out this uh, short thing. We will be back on Monday. Everybody, have a great weekend. Thanks for having me.